Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show, Monday through Friday on the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen, uh, I want to take my hat off to Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat. They were, those, listen, Tyler Hero, all those guys, these guys were awesome tonight. That was a perfect Miami Heat basketball game. They are terrifically coached. They are very well disciplined. But this, to me, was two things. Number one, Jimmy Butler willing his team to win this game. But, Chris, we had this conversation earlier today talking about when the Lakers win, whether it's four or five games, it doesn't matter. You saw tonight, when Anthony Davis doesn't dominate, they're not going to win. Bruh. New York strip steak? This is the Basketball Buds. Braised beef short ribs? Dang! With Zach Harper and your favorite athletic writers. Get mad at me, bro. I'm gone. Welcome to the Basket Buds edition of the Athletic NBA Show podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Zach Harper, joined by Trevon Edwards, Jay King, Wazdi Lambre, Dave DeFord, Jade Hoy is pushing buttons. And speaking of pushing buttons, Jade, I'm so fucking locked in right now because Jimmy Butler. Oh, these, these fools thought they were going to jump into this podcast Sunday night and go, oh, Zach, what about the Heat? Thought the Heat were going to win the championship. Oh, they're down 3-0. No, they're not down 3-0. Jimmy Butler has injected a whole lot of big face caffeine into the Miami Heat. They win behind one of the most impressive performances in NBA Finals history. All right, that might be overselling it a little bit, guys. But, was this game was about as incredible as it could have been from Jimmy Butler. And now the yeah. Heat won't be swept. We know that. And, I don't know, maybe they get banned by the bio bag. Maybe this thing starts to go in their favor. I don't know. Waz, what do you think? I, I, Man, Jimmy left me speechless tonight, man. It wasn't just the scoring, which obvi- it's obvious. He dropped 40 points on 27 shooting percentages, which for those of you listening at home, that's damn good in any context, let alone – essentially what becomes a do-or-die finals game. Like, they lose this game, it's over. They're going back home, period. Um, And so, you know, when you consider the stakes, the opponent, just an incredible game by Jimmy. But for me, you know, people are going to talk about the triple-double and the 40 points was amazing, but to me it was the 13 assists. He, He was dissecting that Lakers defense. He knew where their defenders were going before they even got there. I think that was most beautifully illustrated by... You know, the driving kick that he had during a two-man game with Kelly Olynyk, where he has basically a layup where two guys are there and he could probably get a decent layup, but he darts it out to Kelly Olynyk for open three. Um, he's figured out what the Lakers defense wants to do and he just executed at an insanely high level. So for me, it's about what Jimmy Butler did tonight. That was just amazing. I- 27 buckets he either scored or assisted on out of 41 for Miami. And just a crazy Sheesh. finals game. Absolutely not. That's good. That's officially good. I'm willing to say it. I, they had 52 points in the paint. They outscored the Lakers in the paint by 18 points. And it was Jimmy Butler dropping dimes. They were back cutting the Lakers. I mean, it was a just an amazing. That was a Miami Heat win. And they needed all of that because Dragic is really their only other off-the-bounce playmaker. with And bam, <laughs> both of them are out. So they they needed Butler to come in 
and be strong. And now they got Zach Harper doing the hero snarl, which I don't like. <laughs> I don't like that at all. I thought I was going to come in after last week. Oh, I, I had to listen to that you, disrespect. I, I wasn't even on the podcast. I got I got ambushed with a, with a Skype call. And just got shitted on. <laughs> I really thought I was going to come in here, slap back a little bit, but no, no. Freaking hero had to be snarling and Butler had to go. He, he LeBron, LeBron. Like, that's what LeBron does to guys. And he did it to LeBron. I, I like how the Heat are just kind of acting like, like they don't really care that it's LeBron. Jimmy Butler saying they're in trouble, hero snarling. I like that. That all right, trade that does seem to be a recipe for not success. Is the because all right, the Lakers kind of just kept giving the ball away, and some of that was defense, but some of that was like them just throwing the ball to the sidelines. Like they they were really really slopping this one. Anthony Davis looked like he was trying to get traded out of New Orleans. That's how bad he was playing for most of this game. <laughs> like it was, I don't know what to, I don't know what to make of that, but like Trey, part of me wants to be like, all right, the Heat, you know, they get Bam back in Game Four. We're, you know, we're back in business. We might have ourselves a series. But also, I looked at that, and I'm just like, wow, Lakers played like shit. Man, relax. I mean, at this point, they came out flat. Um, like you mentioned, Bam out of bio, possibly potentially playing in the next game. I I, I still think this is the Lakers series to win. Um, but for for Miami Heat fans, this is, this is something to poke your chest out. Jimmy backed it up. Um, he doesn't make excuses and he answered and he played both ends of the floor. You know what I mean? He didn't run from the challenge and, you know, his teammates didn't let him down in that moment. So, um, during that surge of the fourth quarter, like they made some big shots, they made some big plays. Even, you know, I think it was, I don't believe in jinx, but, you know, LeBron coming off of a zero turnover game and then having high turnovers in this game. Um, just showed his frustration. Um, also exposing, pulling the chair, you know, getting him rattled a little bit. Um, having, making some questionable plays down the stretch. Um, but, you know, I think the Lakers regroup. Um, I hope that this continues to, you know, the Heat continue to fight so that we actually have a good series and it can go potentially to six or seven games. Um, cause this is truly fun, especially if they get their guys back. You know, Drogic may not even, you know, show his face in this series, but. Um, to get Bam out of bio, maybe you get that that feel of a head-to-head, even though Bam's not close to 80 yet. Or, I mean, not on the offensive end, but, like, you know, just all-star players. So, um, should be fun. I, I I look at game four, and I wonder, Jay, you know what's still in play here? Which is kind of amazing, um, especially after the way the first two games went. My fucking prediction, Jay, of Heat and six. <laughs> Come on, man. The, the the Jimmy and the hero celebrations were iconic. Don't get me wrong, but it's going to be in the same way Allen Iverson stepping over time. Yeah, it feels a little bit like Chris Paul's shimmy to, Steph is, to Steph's face. Like, it feels a little yeah. bit like that. Like, they, they were great, great moments. Don't get me wrong, but... This this series ain't ain't going so, the way you predicted. Well, I don't know. It's still in play uh, legally. So, um, <laughs> can we figure out if Duncan Robinson is shaving points? You know, I think he's I think he's just beat, man. The the Lakers defenders are really hounding the hell out of him. I mean, you know, credit to them. They've done a really great job of chasing him constantly. I mean, he just when he was getting open looks, he just looked so exhausted that everything was short. It was really weird because, you know, we watched him kind of do this same thing. But I, I think that their commitment to staying attached to him, to him at all costs. I mean, 
Danny Green has been awful offensively, but he has been all over Duncan Robinson when that's his assignment. So uh, I, I think it's the Lakers defense have just bothered him to the point where he's, you know, just dead flat tired. But he's also just making the dumbest decisions. Maybe that's a tired thing, right? But like it might be. I, 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 I thought his defense tonight was pretty good, though. Like it was way better than it has. It been. was weird how like it almost seemed like Spo was trying to get Duncan on LeBron. Like that's like to almost like I don't know to throw LeBron off. Is it possible Spo was well, Spo that many chess moves ahead? Where now he's like, no, we want Duncan on LeBron. Now deal with that. <laughs> I I think the real chess move is is that Bam makes them easier to guard, and so he might not want to bring Bam back, man. I'm, I'm telling you, man. The, the way Jimmy, wow. <laughs> the way the, the way Jimmy had these guys operating on offense, the Lakers had to guess about how they wanted to guard him. Of course, there was a bunch of soft switches, and Jimmy was able to kill that. But it's it's those same switches that's allowing them to, you know, get after Duncan Robinson and Hero off the ball, right? Um, I just think having the big man have to be at the three-point line and not help at the rim when guys actually drive it makes them harder to contend with, man. That, that might be a hot take, but I'm just saying. Well, I wonder if if – he does come back for the next game if they don't start him next to Myers Leonard. Myers Leonard was pretty good in this game. I mean, he had the sneaky little uh, uh, pick up the third foul on Anthony Davis in the first half. I mean, help! I got the nail! I got help! Get to it, JB! Under! Step up! Back! JB, watch this. I got help! I got help! Good pass, JB. Yes, sir! We're living with that! Great job, K-9! They only played 13 minutes, but they were plus 13 in those minutes. Clearly, he, he well, was pretty effective. Yeah, they him. started those two next to each other most of the year, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. That's not, yeah, that wouldn't and be they a, went away, a question. They went away from um, it, really, in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I do think we shouldn't get away from Waz saying maybe they shouldn't bring back an all-defensive player. <laughs> um, saying, I feel man. like that he said it's I'm a hot saying. take. I feel like uh, it's a different three letter word. They, they, they looked really tough to guard tonight. That's all that I'm saying. And they defended the Lakers reasonably well, right? Like they played. I, I, I appreciate what Waz is trying to get at. I mean, because clearly Olenek and Leonard was making it so that they were able to get those back cuts that just aren't there when you've got Bam because you don't have to guard him. Outside of six, yeah, but feet. no, but this is and the, the handoff stuff is is harder to guard when the guy can shoot it. Who's doing mm-hmm. it right? Like it's tougher to recover when they're putting doing the handoff way far back out. You know, I, I don't know. I'm just what? I'm just saying. I saw I mean, Miami Heat offense is look amazing in this conversation. Tonight. That's all. I was- <laughs> no, listen. Now you want to play your best players, so you know definitely. I, I understand That's what Waz is saying. Come on, so hold. I on. understand what Waz is getting at. Waz thinks Myers Leonard should keep getting Bam's minutes because he wants the Lakers to win. No, Kelly, this is Olenek. what it is. Olenek. He's trying to get in Spo's head. <laughs> no, <laughs> he's uh, he knows Spo's listening to this. <laughs> he's trying to make. I just, Spo I just think like, Kelly, the Kelly Olynyk dynamic is a great one for them in this series, particularly. I just, yeah, just, you can play. I don't know. It's hard to argue with what he's been you able can to play do. Olynyk and Bam together. Mm-hmm. Like almost like. You can play them 40 minutes together. Well, I, I wonder what happens to Andre Iguodala. I mean, he's been ineffective completely in this series. He was awful. Yeah, he's, 
I mean, game one, he was terrible, but that's because they played him as like the backup five. And so he yeah, had the guard Anthony center, Davis. Yeah. Like, that's not fair, <laughs> right? Yeah. Anthony Davis is not Daniel right. Tice. Exactly. Like, he was okay in game two, but yeah, he was bad. You know, Tyler Hero was bad. Like, mo- most of these guys were bad. It was just, Jimmy was good. Jay Crowder wasn't Anna very Linux, good. Give big game Kelly Linux some credit. Oh, this pissed me off. In, in a separate group chat, Amin Al Hassan's like, finally, we get the Kelly Olynyk game. I was like, he had 24 9 last game. What are you talking about? It's 17 and 7 tonight. They, he was good. good. Yeah. He was good. He's been good the last two games. He was good. And like I said, they're defending at a high enough clip. And that's not to, not to say that that's actually sustainable. I think that's the um, the sort of BAM argument, right? Like the idea that they're going to be able to protect the paint and actually board up while playing minutes at center exclusively with Kenny Olenek and Myers Leonard. Um, I, I tend to believe that the trend is going to go the other direction on that. But you can't argue with the results of a lot of game game two and all of game three. I actually three. think the positive oh. in this is that the Lakers bench has just been great for three games. Oh, right? yeah. I mean, without Morris and Kuzma, this is a blowout. I mean, they had 38 points off the bench combined. And they still wound up losing by 11. Like, if you're Miami, you're looking at that and you're probably feeling pretty good, especially if you get Bam back and he's actually able to play. Uh, the, the series probably feels a little bit closer uh, from a talent standpoint. I mean, obviously, LeBron and AD are not going to be as bad as they were in this game. I mean, I know LeBron wound up with 25, 10, and 8, but those turnovers were awful. Awful. I mean, Kelly Olynyk pokes the ball away from him in crunch time. Like, when does that happen? That's when you knew it was over. Yeah. <laughs> and Anthony Davis is not going to take nine shots. Somebody called that the Nick Anderson the um, poke away. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of Nick Anderson, I, I've been wondering if Duncan Robinson is going to be the next Nick Anderson. Oh, my God. <laughs> Just because of how bad it's <laughs> Come been. Come on. Come on. They, Come they on. are giving him hell. And, and, I mean, really, like. KCP and Danny Green and Alex Caruso are just eating that dude's lunch all day. It's amazing he hit three threes today. I just want to point out he was a plus twenty seven. Well, he's on the court a lot. He was he played a lot with Jimmy. Yeah, but I think you know, but I think that plays into it when you see Hero and Jimmy finishing at the rim with nobody other than the guy that's guarding them to contest. That's a testament to Duncan Robinson. Just spacing, like guys can't leave him. You know, guys can't leave Olenek. Everybody has to be at the three-point line while these guys get to operate in the paint against just the guy that's defending them, and they're getting pretty good looks at the rim, and they miss some of those bunnies, you know? So I, I think that's a that's a function of that, Dave. It's, he's yeah. spacing for real. Like his gravity is a real thing, and mm-hmm. the guys on his team who can actually put the ball on the floor and take it to the cup – which is actually just Jimmy and sometimes Hero, they were able to do that and exploit that tonight. Well, you can't take away everything. And I think the first two games, the Lakers, obviously Miami was scuffling a little bit, trying to figure out who's going to create, you know, if it's not Jimmy all the time. You know, you don't have Goron. Tyler Hero has been awful. You don't have Bam. So that was a little bit out of whack. But I think this was a good example of them continuing to put pressure at the basket But also, you still got to guard those shooters, especially Duncan Robinson coming off handoffs. And, you know, this was one of the things that when we were looking ahead to the series, I thought Duncan Robinson could be a very important player, potentially if he's making shots, a huge player for Miami because it it just changes the dynamics so much when you have a guy who's such a threat. But, I mean, we watched him tonight just bomb 
open shots and just miss the hell out of them. I mean, he he missed like three in a row. There was no defender near him. And I, I again going back to him being exhausted. I just don't know if he's not going to make open shots. Will the Lakers care as much about him? You know, and, and maybe in in Game Four we see more of a, a reversion to that pack the paint, and you guys are going to have to beat us with jump shots. Yeah, I think the the Lakers. I mean, the last two games, even Game Two, which they won pretty handily, the Lakers didn't really get stops. It wasn't like they were stopping the Heat. They haven't been able to stop the Heat the last two games, even with Bam out, even with Dragic out. I think the shooting and the activity of Miami has really put some stress on them. And I, I do wonder if if the Lakers will stay as as big as they have been at the start of games, especially if if Bam doesn't play like. When they're playing Myers Leonard, even when they're playing Jay Crowder at the four, it's just tough for Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard to to guard the perimeter like that. And they really space you out and they kind of invert the floor a little bit. And the Lakers haven't done a good job of handling that. And then at the other side, the the Heat just really, really packed the paint and they dared some of Los Angeles' role players to beat them. And I thought Danny Green especially got gun shy early. There were a couple of plays when he got out of character. The lob, I think it was a lob. It might have even been like some weird hook shot that he drove with like 10 seconds left of the shot clock and threw up some nonsense. I think it was a lob to Dwight Howard. I'm not really sure. Then there were a couple other times he had open looks, gave him up. They, they kept trying to post up Anthony Davis, which I think is good sometimes in the matchups he's having. But they've just been stagnant post-ups. The stagnant post-ups in game three were, were really fruitless for, for Los Angeles. Let me throw something out there to you guys. Just uh, you know, just thinking about this game and how good Kuzma was on both ends of the court. I thought defensively tonight he did a really great job of, of again staying attached to those shooters. I, with the way that Danny Green has just been so awful shooting, and y'all know that this pains me to say. I wonder if the Lakers should just throw Kuzma in the starting lineup and bring Danny Green off the bench. I mean, he only played 17 minutes in this game. You know, Kuzma already is playing more minutes. He's being more effective. It would help them get a little bit more offense on the court because you know yeah. at least he's not scared to shoot. He, and his he, defense he, he has needs been those fine. Danny Green minutes. He's, right. he's, he's playing good defense. And, like, <laughs> one, Danny Green, like, you should be getting up more than four three-pointers. You And, by the way, you should Record scratched all never night. Take a, never take a two-pointer um, because whenever you put the ball on the ground, it's, it's embarrassing. Uh, but, yeah, Kuzma's just more active. He's a better cutter off ball. Like, a lot of that stagnation that you talk about, Dave, Kuz is actually probably their best um, cutter. Mm-hmm. So, he, he well, probably should get Caruso, his minutes. Yeah. Right, exactly. So he probably should get his minutes increased. Uh, but yeah, I think a lot of this is going to have to get done on a defensive I, end. They're going to have to figure out a way to not allow Jimmy Butler um, <laughs> to score like he's Wilt right. Chamberlain. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I think Seth Partnell uh, had the stat of 40-point NBA Finals games without a, a three-point attempt, and it was like Kareem five times, Shaq once, now Jimmy Butler. That's it. That's it. That's all centers. List. Yeah, all centers. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I don't know that I'm buying the Lakers need more Kuzma. I don't like. Well, it's not more Kuzma. It's less Danny Green. Less Danny and Green. It's, and it's yeah. who, who would you bring from the bench? Because, you know, you don't want to start Rondo. Like Rondo being the adult off the bench is so important for them. I just think that Kuzma's ability to guard on the wing makes him a, a little bit more of a likely candidate for this. I, I doubt they're going to change the starting lineup. I don't think Danny Green is going to come out of the starting lineup, but I wouldn't be surprised if he struggles 
early on in, in game four if he plays even less minutes than he did in this game. And it all goes back to the Lakers. That's their weakness, right? Like perimeter yep. shooting, per, they don't have enough quality wings, really. And to the point where we're talking about whether Kyle Kuzma should start and take over minutes from a guy who's been pretty ineffective in Danny Green. And I, I thought that the Heat just did a great job of of turning that weakness against the Lakers. And, I mean, wh- when the Lakers with LeBron James and Anthony Davis scored 34 points in the paint, you've had a masterful defensive performance. Yeah, what do we put AD? Is that – I felt like AD just wasn't connected in this game. And I don't know if that was Miami taking yeah. him out, but, like, he just looked – he looked weird from the start. Well, everybody kind of looked off, yeah. you know, and, and I think that one of the mistakes Vogel made in this game, and you guys know, because I, I complained about Mike Malone doing this to Jokic, but, you know, Anthony Davis is maybe the best player in the league. Picked up three early fouls. Nah, he's not I'm the best sorry, player. what? Okay, but but you get what I'm saying. No. He's in the conversation. <laughs> no, he's not. Right? I promise you he's not. Okay, well, Anthony Davis is a garbage basketball player who picks up a third foul, but <laughs> no, no, not no. really there's, there's known mil- for fouling a lot. There's actually a middle ground somewhere between, like, because <laughs> he's not he's even one of the, the four or five best, best guys in the league. He's the he's Lakers' a, second a best player, one player. Can and we so give there's me that? no reason to foul Jesus him out of the game. Jesus fucking Christ, man. Sure. I, like, Anthony Davis <laughs> yes. is very fucking good. How about yeah, that? Dave the and furious. he picks up three fouls early. Sometimes it's just, like, frustrating to try to talk about good players or great players. Like, I'm sorry. I don't I don't have a running list of who the best players in the league are. Anthony Davis does not foul enough. Shouldn't foul him out himself. Right. For sure. And especially because he was <laughs> scuffling, right? You've already, you're going to mess with his rhythm. I mean, it, you know, we've seen Anthony Davis have games where he's off, but if you just stick with him, usually, I mean, he started to come around. What was it? Beginning of the fourth quarter where he had a couple buckets in a row, got that steal. I, I just think that maybe if you let him play through that foul trouble, he can get into a rhythm before the second half and, and, you know, turn the game around. But, you know, fouling him out, I mean, he winds up, winds up with four fouls. So you literally fouled him out for nothing. Yeah, he had one in the second half, right? Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, you, you take all this precaution for no good reason. And, and again, what, you mess up your rotations. There's so many trickle-down effects, and it was it was kind of a waste. They could have just let him play through it, and then maybe – you know, he finds his footing. Maybe. I mean, I that don't was, know if that allows Keith to go off. You know, I don't know if that allows Kuzma to play that not, way. Yeah. And, and I think that there, I mean, what I'm saying there is it probably evened out at some point, right? Just because the Lakers were so disjointed anyway as a team. But yeah, like it definitely well, took him LeBron, the They made up for it. Yeah. LeBron turning the ball over like yeah. this. I mean, it's just, it's, I'm not going to say it's hopeless for the Lakers to win when he does. But, I mean, he's their most important player by far. And in particular, as a playmaker, he takes so much of the burden. And it, this is super uncharacteristic for him. So they were fighting an uphill battle because of LeBron's turnovers. And I'm, I'm not saying that he's at fault for the loss. I mean, this was very clearly a team loss. But you can't take away your other guy when when you're also, you know, your main guy is struggling too. I, I thought that was a mistake. And, and Vogel's been really great I think with this stuff in the playoffs uh like he stuck with them in the second half when he picked up that early fourth foul it, it to me it's just like the minutes in the second quarter mean the same as the minutes in the third and the fourth I, I don't know why you would trust them in the third quarter but not trust them in the second looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right. Kyrie Irving did the thing again. All right. Kyrie Irving did the thing where he said something on a podcast. So what is this? Trey, what is this? Kyrie's got the Etcetera's podcast. That's a podcast on the boardroom. It's Kevin Durant's thing. And he and KD were on, and he said this coach, this on the coaching situation for the Nets. I don't really see us having a head coach. KD could be a head coach. I could be a head coach. And then KD said, Jacques Vaughn could be a head coach. He could do it someday. It's a collaborative effort. And so I talked about this a lot on the radio with Amin and with, uh, with Tim Legler this week. And Trey, I'm curious what your thoughts are on this because – I think I don't think it's what Kyrie's saying necessarily. I think it's the fact that he's saying it at all because it does come off as like you have a new head coach. Your head coach just got fired or you parted ways because you guys didn't want to deal with each other anymore, right? After a short amount of time. Like I think this is brings in a level of toxicity that is unnecessary and it's going to be a distraction at least early on. I disagree. Uh I think he just needs help uh expressing it a little bit better. Um, what he's probably pretty much trying to say is that we're all coaches on the floor. You know what I mean? Like you, you get that second in command. It's the same way that, you know what I mean? Like I think Nash is going to give them the freedom and it's the same way as they're all coachable. You know what I mean? But I think it was just a, a way of the context. And then obviously anything he says kind of goes viral in that standpoint. I got a chance to listen to both parts of uh, KD's new podcast. And um, he touched on a lot of things, but again, it's not it's not that serious to it. I think it can get under other people's skin um, just because he's kind of already gotten to that point um, of, of irritability. But overall, it's not that big of a deal. I don't disagree with what Trey's saying. Um, <laughs> one, the first thing that comes to my mind is we got to stop calling Kyrie Irving articulate because nobody ever knows what the fuck he's trying to say. <laughs> So, like, he's just bad at expressing himself. He's just terrible at it. Like, every time he speaks, people are confused as to what he's trying to say. But I think what Trey is saying is right. I think what he's trying to say is, like, we don't need some sort of top-down tacticianer, you know, drill sergeant, sort of Jim Boylan, I'm going to fight you type of coach coming in, right? We're a veteran group. Guys have won. Guys have established, like, have accomplished things in this league. We don't need a drill sergeant. We we understand that. But at the same time, the idea that you would go on in, in public and say, we don't need coaching. <laughs> we don't need a coach. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that, that, that's just a weird thing to do after y'all hire a new coach, you know, but, but, at, you know, but th- this is the type of thing where we call guys um, coaches. We call them quote unquote players, coaches. And I think that's what Kyrie's getting at. We need a coach who's going to leave us alone. That's what typically how you would describe a player's coach is like, they're not going to be sort of micromanaging these guys. They're going to just let them do what they do and not be as, you know, hard on them trying to establish some type of culture or set some type of standards to these guys. And I, I don't think Steve Nash took this job thinking, you know, he was going to run this thing like a tight ship or anything. So, no, you know, no, there's, a, I, there's a point to what Trey is saying. No, th- there is a point to what Trey is saying. And they do, you know, they do like say nice things about Steve Nash during the podcast. I think the issue, though, 
is when you then say like Jacques Vaughn could be the head coach one day. It's right. like, no, he's the assistant. <laughs> like that's the issue. Like that's where the toxicity comes in. It is, it undermines Steve. Now Steve is probably fine. I doubt Steve's going to give a shit, but and granted it's New York media with the nets and not the Knicks. So it's going to be a, a lot softer, but Jay, like you've seen the Kyrie Irving show yep. in person, right? Like, like there is something to this where it's, it's an unnecessary thing to say or an improper way to make the point. And it's not necessarily like, all right, let's pile on Kyrie. He said d- something dumb again. It's more just like these two guys just always find a way. And great. He didn't say the Jacques Vaughn part. You know, KD said the Jacques Vaughn part, but it's like, no, you can't say, yeah, the assistant coach might be it one day. This is Kyrie's cycle. He says <laughs> things that can be misconstrued or that are construed correctly. And he gets pissed off <laughs> that people take it the way he meant it um, as a shot at someone. And then he gets pissed when there's reaction to it. And and to some extent, I understand it. Like some of his comments can be taken out of context sometimes. But when you look at the body of everything that he's said, he has called out teammates. He has created fractures with teammates. The way he was in Boston, he just kind of separated from the rest of the locker room and took shots at everybody and made a bad situation worse. And I think these comments, they're not the worst thing he's done. They're not the most divisive thing he's done. But it just underscores that Steve Nash has a tough, tough job in front of him with two players in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving who haven't always been easy to keep happy. And I think the the biggest part of that, that Nets hire was Steve Nash's emotional intelligence. And he's a guy who throughout his career was fantastic at dealing with teammates, at getting the best out of teammates. And I, I mean, that that those two guys, Durant and Kyrie, are so, so talented. And if you can tap into that and if you can have them activated – and and working for the team the whole time that's fantastic but those both those guys have gone sour in different places and for coaches that that nobody else has really gone sour against like Steve Kerr and Brad Stevens Ty Lue like a lot of a lot of guys that those guys have had beef with like nobody else does and so I think Steve Nash has a really really tough job and he's gonna have this this is like the smallest thing he'll have to deal with yeah you know when they say it's not me, it's you. It's like no, Kyrie, it's you. <laughs> it's like why are you always doing this? I'll give him the benefit of, of the doubt to a certain degree. I think that he was more reflecting on Kenny Atkinson and his style as a coach. And uh, again, I'm reading between the lines here, and just how they don't necessarily need that there, and and that he's looking forward to a collaborative environment, not unlike what Steve Kerr created in Golden State. You know, I mean, how many times Which we see Kevin Durant ended up fucking hating. Well, exactly. So this <laughs> right. is this is the rub on that, right? It's like, okay, ultimately, both of those guys, I think, are going to want to just do what they want to do, and that's it. And they can they can talk about the collaborative environment. They can talk about you know getting Steve Nash as a coach and how they respect him and all this stuff. But once the the ball is rolled out. I expect it's going to look like, I don't know, 2012 Oklahoma City. I think it's going to be a lot of taking turns. I think it's, you know. But also, like, those two guys are good enough to make that work. Exactly. And that's the thing. They're going to be boring as hell to watch because it's going to be, you know, 80 isolation possessions a game. And they might be able to waltz into the finals. Like, they have that much talent between the two of them. 
Mm-hmm. No, I mean, the mm-hmm. Heat are going to be defending champs. They're going to have Giannis on the roster. I don't know. Like that's Bam Adebayo will be benched I, I, by then to unlock their, their true people. I, I think they're Slender. going to be fun to watch, Dave. For what the the reason that we even have this top this um, yeah, segment? Exactly. Excuse me, right now. Yeah. Um, a mutual friend of ours uh, actually thinks this is going to be a complete and utter train wreck. And for many reasons, for many reasons, and for that, I'm going to be watching this thing very closely. I think this is like when they, when, <laughs> when this thing ultimately implodes and you watch that sports center sizzle reel where they show you like from the beginning to the end, like the first time Kyrie takes a direct shot at Kerr in the, in the um, media or the first time KD's people plant a story with some um, media person that's dissing Kyrie and they're going to do the whole free freaking timeline of when Brooklyn imploded and this is going to be part one yeah, I <laughs> this is going to be the first one call it. like I can't like I don't know what I don't know if I think it's going to fail miserably I don't know if it's going to be like wildly successful it might be both like I don't I don't know I seriously am so undecided on what I oh, think I is going to happen gonna fail. From a, I think it's going to fail from a pure, from a pure <laughs> yeah. basketball standpoint alone I have questions because right. both those guys are like they love to ISO. They KD. When Jay's KD, saying, who's going to pass the ball on this team? KD is Spencer Dinwiddie. KD is coming off <laughs> right. an Achilles. Spencer's a real point guard. He's coming off an Achilles injury though, which could really leave him hindered. We don't know what he's going to look like. Nah, he's look Kyrie's like been team, injured a, a lot lately too. There's there are health concerns for for both their main guys. Levert, who's probably their third best player, is not going to play nearly the same role that he's thrived in over the past couple of seasons. Steve Nash is a first-year head coach who's going to be dealing with headaches that he hasn't really encountered before since he was a player on teams that never won anything. (laughs) Um, So there's a lot to wow, the Nash swipe. I wasn't expecting I, he, that I, one. I, that Nash is what that was. Nash is literally my favorite player ever to watch. I, yeah, but what he might not be a good coach for all we know. How the hell do we know what he's gonna be? We why have do no you idea. have to throw that didn't win anything? Why why do you have no. to throw that in though? That, I mean, but it's true. That was that was an unprovoked and unnecessary You couldn't even get them in the in the Olympics. I'm upset with myself. But back to the Kyrie thing for a second. I think it's really interesting that he almost always is saying things that like he means well, like, like saying we have a collaboration, everyone could have leadership. Like he could say those things in positive ways. All these Mm -hmm. things he says, he just says negatively in ways that can divide when, if he just switched the message around just a little, he's often right on the money. Like when he was, see, and I didn't think it was negative. I actually thought he, he sounded hopeful, like excited even. Yeah. But, but he always has a way of putting things in a wrong, in the wrong manner and pissing people off and then never taking accountability. It is Kyrie, right? So every time he says something, I think, a lot of the initial reaction is to say, well, Kyrie said something else. I mean, we saw this with his legitimate concerns. That's that's the credit he's built, right? Right. But his legitimate concerns about doing the bubble in the first place, you know, everybody panned him. And then all of a sudden people started listening and like, okay, wait a second. He's making some good points here. And I just think that, you know, I try to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. 
I think he was trying to be positive about it. I, I really don't think it was a negative thing. I think it got blown up, you know, maybe a little bit because it came out of context. And even listening to it in context, I can understand where people might take it the wrong way. But I didn't. I, I thought it was totally fine. I mean, you know, he just sounds like a guy who's looking forward to a a collaborative work environment. Well, as you say, we can't call him articulate. I say he puts the art in articulate. Art. <laughs> that's I mean, that's I, for damn sure. It's open. The, the beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Right. Art uh, for guys, sure. Guys, I hate to bring this back to the Heat victory, but I do have an update. <laughs> Jimmy said LeBron told him the Heat were in trouble in the first half, so he was just rep- repeating to LeBron what he had told him. You're in trouble. This is, this is You're pure. in trouble. This, they, they, were kicking their asses the entire, they were kicking their asses the entire first half. What trouble were they in? No, 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 because LeBron, they cut it, right? Wasn't it? It was, it was like, like a two-point two game. They cut it down to four. Like yeah, they yeah. cut it down to four and a half. Yeah, they, and a half. at that point, you tell me LeBron's not saying. Oh, oh he might say, yeah. You're in trouble. Okay. I can see that. Yeah. I can see that. Well, you Kuzma hit that, that that, hit that buzzer beater three, and it was, you know, this LeBron started is, getting a little... Right, exactly. This is the problem with capitalist Waz is he doesn't like small businesses. He doesn't like big face coffee. He wants a small business to, <laughs> to be destroyed. This is a problem. It's not just the oh Lakers Lord. pick. It's not just his Angelino homerism. Yes, it's that he's yes. trying to crush the I'm, small I'm business. I'm a fan of U.S. Steel, baby. That's right. <laughs> That's one of those stories I wish we didn't know the whole story. It's so much better if Jimmy unprovoked is just yelling at LeBron, well, it, you're it in is- trouble. It is also possible that Jimmy's lying. <laughs> I mean, I, it's, <laughs> I, I hope I hope it's like Shaq uh, lying about uh, David Robinson. David like Robinson, the legend, Michael Jordan, and, and all yeah. of that. Yeah, and then when lying. the Heat win in six, you know, Jimmy's got this great story that's completely fabricated. Yeah, I, absolutely. You hear that, Jay? When? <laughs> when? I, I also have to rewind a minute, not to take the focus off of uh, your comment toward me, but. <laughs> <laughs> Dave DeFore was so pissed off when when we would not let him state that Anthony Davis was the best player in the world. That was, I'm not even saying that he was. I said he's in the conversation. That he's was one of the best time, players in the league. All-time podcast moment for me. <laughs> Just the fury. That was awesome. I love that moment. I love when you're pissed off. I got a text from Jade about that. <laughs> encouraging it though so we gotta we gotta we gotta steer away from that i need need, i'm gonna just text you shots at anthony davis all day just to try to rile you up i mean i'm a laker hater though that's the thing i don't know if you realize that you mean mark mark blunt with the unibrow (laughs) that we're talking about that felt me that felt irrational Yeah. yeah that felt yeah. That was out of pocket. All right. Uh, one last thing I want us to get to. The NFL is maybe falling apart. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. I know I'm looking outside right now. Sun's out. Birds are chirping. It's time to start getting outside. Uh, I know that I like to get outside and play basketball with my kids. And honestly, I need to get into a fitness routine in order to keep up with these guys. And Peloton is there for me. Peloton's varying class links were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout, whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals. Peloton's classes were made to challenge you. There are a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, or marathon training all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you're already excelling in. Peloton's program and instruction push you to be your best. 
Their expert coaches and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run indoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Now, what does that have to do with the NBA? Well, guys, the uh, the old COVID is still around, apparently. The old COVID's still around. And so the NFL, it's starting to spread. And we saw it in... We saw it in baseball earlier in their hybrid season, their 60 game season where, um, you know, I think the Marlins had to take like a week or two off. The Cardinals had to take some time off. They made up the games, but they, you know, kind of just had to push, push through things and get there. Uh, We had the uh, we had, you know, the Titans and the Steelers have to postpone their game. I think Patriots Chiefs. Are playing Monday night? I'm not not certain, but I think that's the plan. I guess depending on some more COVID tests that happen, it was, it was pushed to Monday. But the Patriots flew in two separate planes with with one plane full of people that had not come in contact with Cam Newton, and the other plane with with people who may have to quarantine. It, it's a mess, right? And so and so, I think this is relevant to the NBA because we have we have you know. Adam Silver in the in the front front office of the NBA trying to determine what's going to happen next season, right? What next season is going to look like? They're trying to push it so we can get some fans back in the stands uh, for some of these games because that's forty percent of the revenue. It's forty percent of the basketball related income coming in is is ticket sales. And so I'm curious, Waz, like what what do you think? Like, do you think it's reasonable to expect the NBA to like push it to February or March, try to get fans in the stands, or are they going to have to do like that? There's also a, you know, I think an idea of like three or four bubbles bubbles. and 60 game season and stuff, and they'll have some breaks and maybe they do a break for, uh, for the Olympics or something, you know, like I'm curious, like what this looks like for the NBA, because the other leagues that are traveling, it hasn't gone great. They kind of just have to push it through and just hope that nothing bad happens. You know what I've learned from college football and the NFL sort of starting their their respective seasons back up is that so long as you have buy-in from the people who actually make the decisions, you can kind of do whatever the hell you want. Um, if the players and the the if the union and ownership decides that they want to play and they want to bring people in, as we're seeing in certain cities uh, within the NFL, they can do that. Um, it's going to basically be on the players to be like, look, we don't really we're not scared of the virus. We're not scared of the repercussions. We're going to play because we saw that's what the NFL and their union came to. Obviously, in college, the university presidents um, and um, athletic directors came to this decision because players have no power. They work for free and are indentured servants. But I think whenever the powers that be, you know, in the case of, of course, the NFL and their players, like I just said, and the NBA, if they want to play, they will play. And I think they can have fans if they want. I don't think there will be much of a quote unquote public backlash. I think you'll see a lot of backlash on Twitter. I don't think the nation or the NBA viewing public at large will have a huge problem with them bringing fans back in. I'm just saying that based off what I've seen from other sports. They basically gone business as usual. I was yeah. watching the Alabama Georgia game yesterday. The football game had like full stands yeah. pretty much. Like there that's, was a lot that's of fair, Dave. That's fair scientifically. 
Mm-hmm. But I just think public perception wise, I don't know that you're going to get a hit. And if again, if the players and the owners decide, let's get the money, that's what they'll do. I mean, there's a lot of ways for them to actually get money without having fans in the state. One of which is it would be a perfect time to add two expansion teams. And that would be a huge influx of cash for the league. And not only that, but bigger credit lines as well. Uh, that's something that they should be doing. It's built into the CBA. Like they could figure this out and, and you know, yeah, it's kind of a downtime for the market right now, but you know, billionaires are, they're making money during this whole thing, which is a whole nother conversation. But I, I think that from talking to people in the league, I talked to a couple of executives at, in late August who said, there's no way that they're doing anything before February. And then you heard Adam Silver the other night, they're aiming for like, you know, Christmas, January 1st. I think that there's a big push and I wonder if, you know, where it's coming from, whether it's the Players Association or maybe the TV partners. But I think that they, they really want to be on the air in January and try to get this thing back to their normal schedule, which may wind up meaning 60 game season to try to have the finals next June. But I don't know how they do it safely for players and, and, you know, staff without doing the mini bubbles. And and that's a huge ask of these people, man. You know, we, we saw what, what Paul George was talking about going through and some of the other players have been very open about how hard it is to be, you know, away from your family and and all of these other things. So I'm not sure what they're going to do. I doubt it's going to look like what the NFL has done. Yeah. I'm, I, I know they're waiting for, you know, uh, kind of the rapid testing for letting people in. I also think that like having a you know having thousands of people waiting outside a uh, an arena hoping to get in probably not distance all that much. I don't know. That's the going to be the best way to go about getting people back into the arenas. I mean, we're just gonna have to eat it, man. Like, and and this has kind of been our whole problem during the entire pandemic. Is I, I think that NBA owners are just going to have to eat the losses on the ticket sales for the good of society. Now, asking Yo, billionaires and, and to do that way, David, is fuck, tough, right? For the good of society. Um, I remember fuck I was for talking the good to, of society. Like, no, 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 no. Forget that. Uh, forget that part of it. I remember sure. talking to Dominique Foxworth, right, who's obviously been a players' union rep for both mm-hmm. leagues. And we got to talking about the NBA and how, you know, basically guys like LeBron – and, you know, the superstars of the league basically subsidized the middle class. They subsidized right. the KCPs of the world to allow them to make nine to $10 million. And Dominique said something that will never leave me. He was like, it's not that I don't think KCP should be making $9 million. It's that I think the owners should be the one taking the hit. Yep. It shouldn't be the superstars. They're the ones who get to get actually all of the value from the franchises. And guess what? If you can't pay, you could sell it. At a crazy markup from whatever the fuck it is you bought it for. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to hear it about the owners like taking a hit. And I and think Mark they're Cuban not would taking no hit. This is what you're a fucking owner to do. Yeah. Straight up. That's like, part of it. Your, your one job is to be somebody that has a shit ton of money. And that's supposed to mean you could take a loss here and there. So that's exactly what they should be doing. Tell me for Tito to sell. He might lose money. You know, that's another story for another day. I'm with you on the other 29 owners. Yeah, I feel yeah. Like, I feel like that's a good point. I feel like Devin's struggling there. Um, all right, but, let's, but let's, to a certain degree, that's sort of, and this is an off-season conversation, but you know, like when you have an ownership group that just won't pay the tax in spite of how good their team is, 
And I, I think that that's something the league should look at. Like, you know, if, if you're going to own a team, you need to be committed to actually winning. So but, but that's a right. whole nother, it's, it's the same stream of thought, but totally different uh, timing on it. Um, all right. What about, uh, we'll round this out with uh, going around the table with uh, Doc Rivers. He's going to coach the Sixers. <laughs> he, uh, he's going to be the one that, that motivates Embiid and Simmons to realize their potential. Maybe he'll find a use for Al Horford. Maybe he'll uh, he'll get Tobias Harris back on track. Maybe he'll motivate those role players on the bench to uh, to to get uh, I don't know to play above their above their their ceiling a little bit and and kind of round things out with that attack. So Trey, does Doc Rivers in Philadelphia work? Sue me. I'm rooting for everybody that's black. That's five black coaches down. So I'm all on board with it. I think it works out. Um, I know they wanted Mike D'Antoni, but Elton Brand didn't want Mike D'Antoni. So um, he made the final call. Doc Rivers obviously is going to experiment a little bit. I know he comes off as a player's coach. Hopefully he doesn't try to inherit. I mean, make this team embody the uh, 08 Celtics roster. Uh, style of play, right. which he does with every team that he coaches. Um, but again, I'm I'm happy that he, you know he he got a new uh new gig. You know what I mean? They're gonna yeah. sign uh, Big Baby Davis, I think, to nah, be the backup. They, nah, they don't He's like each available. other. <laughs> that's the wrong. Yeah, point. That's a good point. They're gonna sign Byron Mullins. Here's my issue. Um, for Doc, I, I think he's gonna walk in the door with so much credibility. And it's a new voice in the room. Brett Brown had been there for a while. And, and we, we, we've all, we all know that coaches at a certain point, their voice just isn't being heard. You know, clearly with this team, that, that was kind of an issue. But unless they're going to make some big time changes to the roster, it's still going to be the same team. And we know that Doc isn't going to get the most out of the young guys because he just doesn't develop young players. You know, poor Landry Shamit looks like a rookie. Uh, so Zaire Smith, we're, we're probably never going to get to see that unless he gets traded. I don't know what's going to happen with Matisse Tybal. You know, there are a lot of roster questions I need to see answered before I have any idea how Doc's going to do. I mean, I, I think that roster is a playoff team no matter what. Right. No matter who the coach is. But are they a team that that should have legitimate conference finals uh, expectations, which I think almost making it last year, and, and then obviously they stunk in the playoffs this year, but they lost Ben Simmons. So I, once I see what they do during the offseason, whether it's moving Tobias Harris or, or Al Horford, I, I don't know how you do those without attaching a bunch of stuff to it. I, I'm not sure how that's going to play out. I do know that Doc got the most production out of Tobias Harris of his entire career. So at least you've got a guy who knows how to coach up one of your max players. That's a good thing. Yeah, I, I think Trey's point is on Elton Brand, you know, kind of getting to do what he wants. That last offseason was Sixers ownership saying, we want this. And Elton's like, all right, what if it doesn't work? I'd like to do it my way. It didn't work. Now I think Elton gets to try to figure out how to do it more his way. Um, Jay, are you in on this? I am in on it, but I'm like Dave. I think no matter who the coach is, until they make significant roster changes, until they find a point guard who can both make plays and make shots, until they alleviate some of the Simmons, Embiid, Horford problem with the trio that just doesn't work together, I don't think it matters who the coach is. But I do think Doc will go in there. I think he'll get Embiid and Simmons more on the same page. I think 
and Doc has always been really good at empowering young guys on the rise to be great at what they do. And you can look back at Rajon Rondo. You can look back at Kendrick Perkins. You can look more recently at DeAndre Jordan. He has taken guys who are imperfect players and made them great, 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 great at what they do and focus on everything they do well instead of everything that they don't. And obviously Embiid and Simmons are two of those talents where at what they do, they're about as unique as it gets in the NBA. And I think Doc will will tap into that and he won't try to make them what they're not. And and I think Simmons especially could flourish under him. Uh, Zach, let me ask you a question. How many draft picks, if you're Oklahoma City, how many draft picks would Philly need to include with Al Horford to be able to get Chris Paul? Because um, you're, I mean, you're getting that Horford contract for the next few years. Yeah, but I don't think they. I don't think they're totally worried about that because um, right, they're exactly. losing. They lose the Chris Paul contract. They're, yep. You know, Gallo's going elsewhere. Um, you know, two minimum two. Yeah, and like the protection's got to be light. Yeah, so I wonder if if there isn't a natural kind of trade there. If I mean, if Doc and CP3 want to work together, right? I mean, because you know? I mean, Chris Paul instantly adds that adult playmaker on the oh, court. Oh, for sure. Right. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, Waz, you were around the comedic stylings of Doc Rivers this year. Does CP3 like Doc? Would that work? I, I, I don't think I don't think that's something they want to do. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know. But, I, you know, I, I'm with Trey in the sense that, yes, it's great that, you know, a black coach who just got fired, some would say, undeservedly gets another shot in a pretty decent spot. Um, but you know, for me, but, if I'm but, doc, I think we know what that was, though, right? That was we can't let Ty go somewhere. Now, if Ty goes somewhere else, then it's, yeah, yeah, then yeah. You, I think that's what that up, I, right? I think that's what that was too. And um, knowing that Doc had this Philly job, if he wanted it, right? And, like, and, and, like and, and I think that's that's part of yeah. I think that's part of the discussion. It's like all right, fuck it. I got somewhere else I could go. Yeah. And when they say it was mutually decided, you can kind of. You know, read between yeah, I the think lines. It's probably like, that's probably like a 70 30 mutual. Yeah. Right. Exactly. No, it's not 50 50. Yeah. No, but what I was going to say is, I, if I'm Doc, I don't like this job. I don't like this job for Doc. <laughs> I, I don't believe in, I don't believe in the way the core works together. I understand I'm lower on Simmons than most people while also recognizing that his skill sets have probably never been optimized in Philadelphia. And so, you know, and I think there's something to that, right? I don't think he's ever been put in a position to actually flourish in the way that he's probably capable of. But at the same time, I look at a job like New Orleans where I could come in with a bunch of young guys who are going to get better anyway and I can get the credit for it. I Just cynically, I would have took, would rather have been in that job in New Orleans. Yeah, Um, I just don't know if he wants to. Yeah, he probably just, you know, and New Orleans does feel small time. Um, yep. As a market, as relevance, yep. and all of that stuff, and Doc is pretty freaking, you know, he's he's got to be a little Hollywood. So um, bit, I, yeah. I can understand why he wouldn't want to do, you know, hey, when you're golfing in New Orleans, you know, Brentwood and Bel Air. Yeah, it's, it's tough. Day. It's, it's I, tough to I, go I, down to the Bayou. I like for that sure. conversation though. Do you guys think Philly is a good job? I don't. I, it's tricky. It's uh, the roster, man. Like, it's, it's so, so weird. And I'm, it, not, I'm actually not good. worried. I'm, I'm way more worried about ownership than I am the roster. Because mm. I so, think I think Elton Brand, like I actually think Elton Brand's pretty good. 
at what he does. Like he's aggressive. He may, he, and I, I like guys who take wild swings, right? Right. Like he traded for Jimmy, Jimmy. and Tobias in season. Yep. That's mm-hmm. not easy to do. Like, and, and I don't think Jimmy wasn't his call. Like that's, that, that's the ownership group, you know, like Jimmy, maybe he's always going to Miami, but like he, they could have, they could have probably locked him up. Like, Hey, here's a five-year max. Now, is that a good contract? Probably not in years four or five, but like if they wanted him around, like I think that was, I think that was the ownership group saying, no, 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 no we got to do it this way. Wait, which if Jimmy's way. there, they might be in the finals right now. Yeah, they might be. He might have kept that thing together. He, he was a piece that they missed. Lord knows time. Miami's not. <laughs> you know. But speaking of Miami, predictions for the rest of the series, Trey. What do you? What do you? Are you sticking strong with your your prediction, or have you changed your mind? Lakers in five. Lakers in five. Waz, you going Lakers in four? Still? I had I had Lakers in six. Um, I I feel very confident about Lakers in six still. Okay, Jay, you had Lakers in a disrespectful five, I believe. You still feel like <laughs> Lake, that? Lakers in five still, man. Okay, Dave, you had a you had a little bit of real estate on Heat Island. Yeah, I mean, and and I thought it, Game Three like showed a lot of what I, I saw from them in the previous few rounds. But I just don't know how they're going to make up the talent gap beyond one game you know lebron's not gonna be this bad anthony davis is not gonna be this bad i mean it's jesus probably gonna wind fucking up being... christ anthony davis is the best player in the world is that <laughs> mickey mouse Mickey the lakers probably finished this out in five i mean it, it, there's no way that they're gonna lay another egg like that all right it's just me then. Heat and six. <laughs> Heat in six and Jay. I, I'm trust me. I'm hoping it doesn't happen either. Okay. <laughs> I'm hoping it doesn't happen either. All right. You can listen to No Dunks. Listen to the Athletic NBA Show. Listen to all the team specific shows on the Athletic Podcast Network. Subscribe to the Athletic. What's wrong with you if you're not doing that? It's a great. It's a great deal right now. Fuck a month. Free trial to check it out. Man, you got to do it. You got to do it. It's, it's such a. It's the best coverage out there. What are you doing? Read about Jay King. You know, talking about the Celtics offseason because their season's over because they lost the Heat, right, Jay? This is, is that is what happened. Okay, just I just want to make sure. So we're on offseason stuff now because they're not going to fuck. Just double check. All right, for Jay King, for Dave DeFore, for Trevon Edwards, for Wazdy Lambrey, Jay Doyle, I'm Zach Harper. This has been Basketballs on the Athletic NBA Show. <laughs>